Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you and one welcome to this week's installment of Beyond Governance at High FM 101.9. Thank you for choosing us on this glorious morning. It's certainly my greatest pleasure to be in your company as we continue to highlight critical issues of national importance um, on issues such as productivity, competitiveness, intellectual property, benchmarking, and of course, corporate governance and its application cuts across industries and sectors. Uh, once again, welcome to Beyond Governance, and yours truly is Nimrod Timbele. As always, I'm delighted to bring you, beloved listener of this show, thought leaders and captains of industry to shed light on social, economic, and political environment which informs your business world. If you miss any of our previous show, not to worry, simply download the podcast and listen to captivating conversation. Uh, we had last week with Dr. Malamalani, who is the senior lecturer at uh, UNICEF School of Agriculture and Animal Health, as well as Sol Molobi, who is the chief executive at Brian Hill. The gist of our conversation was centered around sustainability of food security through the prism of climate smart agriculture or scenario, as it were. One of the issues that, that comes to mind when you talk of food insecurity, one is bound to reflect on the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, which have certainly exacerbated food insecurity. We've picked up uh, from the number of sources such as IMF, the UN, wherein they issued a warning that the war in Ukraine, uh, should the war in Ukraine persist, the world food supplies will definitely be in peril. One individual who put it quite succinctly um, is the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who correctly pointed out that the war is impacting in the world most vulnerable people because of the destruction in the countries uh, known as the breadbasket of the world, i.e. Uh, Ukraine is aware. But we all know that with the global, global wheat prices and agricultural input costs skyrocketing uh, due to, among others, the petrol prices, there is definitely an agent intervention which is needed to cushion the blow for farmers, especially uh, in South African context, and let alone in Africa as it were. I'm sure economic advisors elsewhere are mulling over in terms of the strategic interventions which would make a difference in terms of aiding or cushioning the blow derived from the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. Anyway, moving on strictly, uh, our focal point is not Russia or, or Russian invasion uh, of Ukraine, but intellectual property as one of the key drivers for economic growth and recovery. In making sense of this economic driver, I'm joined by McLean Sibanda, who is a seasoned business executive, respected uh, intellectual property, innovation, and entrepreneurship aspect with a world of experience, innovation ecosystem. He has authored two books entitled Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystem, and The Footprints, Laying the Path, Intellectual Property for Innovation and Economic Development. This is certainly an individual that is worthy of our attention on this glorious morning for he comes across as an individual who um, who has seen it all. As it were, the thrust of our conversation is going to be around the extent to which the intellectual property regime can facilitate or start a growth at the macro level, SME level, at a macro level, at government level. One of the issues, just before I bring the good doctor here, uh, is that we build a relationship in this show. We understand and value, you know, connecting people. And any relationship, at least in my view, is anchored on a rapport 
On that note, Dr. Sibanda, the listeners and I would like to know who is McLean Sibanda? Just before we get into the gist of our conversation. Good morning, Nimrod, and uh, good morning as well to your listeners. Uh, and uh, it's an honor to be on your show uh, and uh, keep on doing the great work. I'm McLean Sibanda. I was trained initially as an engineer and then became an, an attorney and then a patent attorney. I have spent uh, the bulk of my life both between the private sector, initially with uh, companies like De Beers and Adams and Adams, and then in the later part of my uh, career, I served uh, in government, uh, firstly in science and technology uh, with various agencies, was also seconded to drafting legislation, uh, and then my last post in the public sector was as CEO of the Innovation Hub in uh, Gauteng, and I write about that uh, in Nuts and Bolts. Uh, and in the past uh, four years, I have uh, gone back to the private sector and I lead the big and groups uh, infrastructure you know, thrust into the rest of the continent, uh, focusing on ensuring that uh, we're able to provide the right infrastructure for economic and social development in the continent. So I think that, you know, by way of background, uh, that's who I am. I'd like to consider myself as somebody that is passionate about the continent and passionate about uh, economic development and solving the challenges of the day. Thank you very much for that. Interesting introduction. We're going to take a quick break before we get our teeth and nails on topical issues. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. Thank you for joining us and for not going anywhere. Um, we have just started our very interesting conversation with Dr. McLean Sibanda, who is a well rounded individual. If you've just missed that uh, initial introduction, he started off as an engineer, unbeaten attorney, uh, entrepreneur and author, been exposed to both public and private um, sector organization on a wide range of issues. However, the gist of our conversation today is all about intellectual property, which he has been molded, if you like, based on his previous exposure as, as an attorney working uh, or specializing in intellectual property. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, without any waste of time, let's get to the gist of intellectual property. For an individual who may or may not understand intellectual property in a nutshell, what does it mean? Nimrod, intellectual property is uh, quite often uh, misunderstood. Uh, and I'd like to you know, uh, say that intellectual property is the creations of the mind. And these creations happen every day. They are everywhere around us. Uh, so it includes uh, things like patents, uh, inventions, uh, copyright, uh, trade secrets, uh, trademarks, and all these uh, quite often sounds like jargon. Uh, but just to demystify this, uh, so when you write a book or you write an, you know, notes in a webinar or in any training session, those notes, in essence, uh, they carry what is called copyright because it's your creativity, it's a way that you've interpreted them and reduce them to a material uh, you know, form. When you, if you're to sing in the shower and you record uh, you know, that singing, you have copyright in that particular recording. And then when you come up with a new idea that solves a particular problem, uh, quite often it may be uh, what is called an invention 
particularly if it is new and it is non-obvious uh, and it has capability to be used in industry, agriculture or trade. And therefore, an invention gets uh, protected by welfare patent and then a design. Uh, it's uh, how an article looks. Uh, so if you look, uh, for example, at the different containers uh, for roll-on, they look different. Uh, and each one of them uh, has got an aesthetic features that make it unique. And therefore, that is protected by designs. And then trademarks is what we encounter every day. So if you're driving a VW or a Mercedes-Benz or Kia, uh, there is copyright. I mean, there's trademarks uh, in those particular uh, you know, names because they are used to distinguish uh, those particular brands and type of cars from all others that actually exist you know, elsewhere. And then trade secrets, the famous two ones, I see Coca-Cola formula, uh, which has never been disclosed and as well as the KFC you know, recipe. So I think to your listeners, uh, it's important for people to understand that intellectual property takes many dimensions and includes uh, these different forms that I have mentioned. And quite often we, st we seem to get stuck, particularly around patents, and I've seen that uh, quite recently with the scramble for vaccines, uh, where we have really focused a lot uh, you know, on patents as looking holistically in terms of intellectual property. Thank you very much for that insight, which strongly uh, believe it's definitely making a bit of clarity or clarifying or demystifying the multidimensional character of intellectual property. As I've already pointed out, it does speak to uh, trade secrets, uh, trademarks, so on and so forth. So that kind of anecdote is quite useful in unpacking this apparent, what is apparent to be very complex and complicated uh, scenario as it were. One of the issues that is bedeviling innovation in an African context, it is that of intellectual property. But we know whether in the manufacturing sector, in the pharmaceutical sector, in the engineering sector, uh, most of the products and services have been patented. To extend that the new entries into the market find it difficult in making headway because the originator need to concede to adoption or fabrication of a product that would be useful for a particular market, African market or continental market as it were. So I think the interesting thing about patents and um, and, and very much you know, all the other forms of intellectual property is that they tend to be territorial. What do I mean by that? Uh, it means that uh, you know, governments are the ones that grant patents. In granting patents, there is a trade-off where the government says uh, to an inventor, I'll give you a patent uh, in return to you disclosing how this invention is carried out. And so when you see each and every single patent document, it discloses, first of all, what is the invention? And secondly, it discloses how that invention is to be carried out in such a manner in detail that a person that is skilled in the art would be able to read that patent document and should be able to reproduce it. Now, having said that, uh, and also having said that it's governments that grant up you know, patents, it's also governments that enforce patents, you find that there are patents that exist for inventions, let's say, in, uh, in the UK or Japan, but they are not, those patents are not, do not have equivalents in South Africa. So it's only the governments of the UK uh, or Japan that can enforce those particular you know, patents. So people in South Africa are free, in essence, uh, to read those patent documents 
and uh, reproduce those inventions in South Africa without fear uh, of infringement. So it's actually very important for people to understand this concept of territoriality, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, we continue to say that patents are a problem. Well, thank you very much for that, Dr. Sibanda. We want to quickly take a break and back in just a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. This is Beyond Governance uh, at uh, High FM 101.9. We are having a very interesting conversation with Dr. Sibanda, who is an expert in intellectual property. We are essentially unpacking the extent to which intellectual property, in its broader sense, uh, is impacting or promoting economic development at the macro level as well as at the micro level. We're talking about small business as well as the national level. Before we took that small break, Dr. Sivanda made a very interesting observations about or the role of government in relation to granting and enforcement of patents. And this is something that most people, in my view, weren't necessarily aware of, and the extent to which some of the patents can be reproduced. However, he also introduced yet another dimension around territoriality, which means in some instances only government of originator product, say in the UK or US, are the only ones that could enforce a particular patent. Could you just maybe thresh that a bit, Dr. Sbanda, uh, for I'm sure the yeah. listener out there would want to know more. Yes, yes, yes. So I think, you know, it's a very important concept. Uh, so if, I, if I'm an inventor of a particular, you know, uh, invention and I'm based in South Africa, what I would do is I would file uh, for a patent, uh, what you call a provisional patent application in South Africa, and then I might follow an international route if I believe that my invention has got international appeal uh, and uh, there's commercial merit in incurring those particular costs. So let's say that I choose to then file in Kenya, uh, in uh, Ghana, and the United States, uh, and Japan. In essence, uh, if those countries grant me the patent, it means uh, that uh, in granting me the patent, they are prepared to help to enforce my rights in those particular countries. And what are those rights? And those rights are to prevent other people from making the invention, uh, from uh, selling the invention, from importing into those countries a product or the invention into those countries from what is called exercising and um, and also manufacturing in those particular countries. So those five acts are very important. Uh, and also it's important to understand that it, it's, it's those particular you know, governments that have agreed to give me a patent that uh, you, you know would enforce them. If you are sitting in Botswana, and you like my invention because you've seen it in your travels to South Africa and in your travels to Kenya, and you believe that it has got value in terms of solving, let's say, a particular problem in Botswana, you are free, in essence, to read the patent document and copy it. And you can manufacture, you can sell it, you can, uh, in essence, import uh, into Botswana the invention or the product made out of the invention the government of Botswana does not have rights uh, to enforce that particular patent because it has not granted patent. Why? Because me as an inventor did not apply for a patent in Botswana. 
So that's really the principle of territoriality. Now, why is that important? It's important in essence, I think, when we look at Africa's underdevelopment and we look at uh, SMEs who are trying to uh, increase their competitiveness uh, and efficiencies, because it means that SMEs uh, can look around the world, find the inventions uh, that are patented that uh, could uh, give them competitiveness uh, in, the, in, in the local markets, and in essence, copy, provided that uh, as they grow, they don't export uh, into those particular countries where there are valid patents. Uh, because when they export, it would be an act of importation in those particular countries. Now, having said that, uh, it's also important to understand that patents do not exist forever. Patents are valid for 20 years. Uh, and, uh, and at the end of 20 years, people are free to use uh, those uh, patents, uh, those inventions, even in those countries where uh, patents uh, you know, were granted. But also during those 20 years, a patent can be challenged uh, because uh, someone may find that uh, a patent should not have been granted because the invention was already known. Uh, and therefore it can be challenged. And when it has been invalidated, it means that it falls into the public domain and anyone can be able to use it. Thank you very much. This is so interesting, um, Dr. Sibanda. I'm certainly learning a lot from, from you know, the territoriality of patents. But here's the elephant in the room, based on the kind of explanation that you're providing. Is, I mean, for an example, China is notoriously known as the appraiser or the instigator of property, I mean, intellectual property. We've seen it, especially in the manufacturing sector, they have pretty much reproduced so many products, UK products, including cars. If I'm not mistaken, there was a court judgment wherein the Japanese manufacturer was told to withdraw the product for it, it violated patents, right? The question for me and possibly listeners is this kind of infringement on the side of the Chinese, is it because those patents would have expired? or they would have been contested? What would have been, what is the silver lining of this? Yeah, so I mean, that's actually a very interesting one. And in, in, in footprints, I, you know, I deal with, uh, you know, the issue of China. So what happens is that uh, they, under the World Trade Organization, there's an agreement called the TRIPS Agreement, which is a trade-related, you know, aspects of intellectual property. Now, that agreement uh, provides uh, for, for, in essence, common standards you know, in respect of uh, protection of various forms of intellectual property. But also it has uh, transition periods and also what is called flexibilities and exemptions. China did not accede to the TRIPS agreement uh, at the same time that South Africa did. South Africa acceded to the TRIPS agreement uh, back in 1994, 1996. China acceded later. Now, what does that mean is that China, in essence, had weaker intellectual property laws compared to South Africa. Uh, by, and it was allowed within the TRIPS agreement. Uh, and uh, I think you and I and, and listeners would appreciate the size of China. Uh, and because of China was using those flexibilities, people were not patenting in China. Again, we go back to the principle of territoriality. And therefore, the Chinese uh, companies would see an idea elsewhere. They realize that there's no patent in China. They would copy. But China is a huge market. 
Uh, and as you know, they get the product out, obviously some of that would leak uh, into markets where they actually patents. And, and that's where the act of importing into a country where there's valid patents becomes a violation of intellectual property rights. So that's the one thing uh, you know, that uh, could have happened in, in some of those instances. But in other instances, yes, the patents, as I've said, are only valid for... And then when we look at cars, uh, the look of uh, some of the cars is not patented, but is protected by way of registered designs. And registered designs have got uh, a validity of 10 years uh, and uh, there is no renewal. So once the 10 years is up, anybody can be able to copy and uh, reproduce that and so forth. And therefore, you may find uh, that uh, a particular design uh, has been, uh, in essence, copied, uh, but it's been copied uh, within the, uh, the, the ambit uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, of uh, the legal framework. Now it explains why so many cars look so like. It is an interesting thing because, you know, the, the whole thing about creativity is that creativity strives on other creativity. So, you know, people uh, see a problem, they would want to solve it, but you're not the first one to have recognized the problem. That's, that's one thing. But secondly, there's other people that have tried to solve the problem. And therefore, we tend to understand and we need to actually understand what other people have done and then we also need to always be, and this is, I think, an important thing for small, medium enterprises, is that you, despite the fact that there is a patent, despite the fact that there is a, a design, registered design, there's an opportunity to invent around. How can you, in essence, improve on that? Uh, and when you improve, you may have a patent for the improvement you may have a registered design for the improvement, but in certain cases, that improvement uh, infringes on a prior uh, invention that is patented. In those cases, that's when we also start to talk about uh, dependent licenses, where you may need to license uh, the underlying uh, invention or the, the underlying patent in order for you uh, to commercialize your own invention. It's a pity that we don't have much time, but I mean, I could unpack this in a further. It's a, it's a very important uh, concept for people to understand that you, you should, in essence, rely on existing information in order to come up with uh, better goods and better services. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I think the next question is going to be intellectual property in the South African context, given the equity consideration, given the inequality, where is the intellectual property regime in the, in the South African mm. context? Is there a sense that mm. current configuration of intellectual property does consider the equity considerations um, by way of elevating historically marginalized uh, SMEs? Is there special mm. dispensation or it is a blanket approach, as you have alluded to in the past? Could you just clarify that point? Yeah, so I mean, a, because we've acceded to TRIPS, in essence, uh, also under TRIPS and also what is called the Paris Convention, there cannot be preferential treatment uh, for, for South Africans. What uh, the Paris Convention uh, says, and this deals with protection of intellectual property, is that a country cannot afford 
its citizens uh, more preference uh, than those of the member states of the Paris Convention. On that particular basis, yes, I think at first sight, it appears that uh, the intellectual property regime does not take equity in our considerations. There is currently some amendments that are being proposed to the Patents Act uh, or intellectual property laws, uh, which uh, will then also take into account uh, the fact that SMEs may rely more on what is called utility models, which is lower thresholds of invention than uh, that is afforded by, you know, by uh, patents. Going back to the definition where I've said that intellectual property is the creations of the mind, it talks to, in essence, the education, the structure of our education in South Africa, uh, which has disenfranchised you know, many of our people. Uh, and therefore, to fix that, we need to look at uh, education, we need to look at awareness, uh, increasing awareness of uh, the issues of intellectual property. Uh, we need to look at how we equip uh, small medium enterprises, uh, not only uh, for them to invent and come up with new creations and come up with new inventions, but also for them to identify inventions and intellectual property that exist elsewhere that they can be able to uh, bring into their companies by way of you know, technology transfer or simply adaptation or copying you know, for that uh, to give them competitiveness. And that's when we talk about technology transfer. Uh, we know if you look at a country like Korea, Korea was in the 60s was poorer than Mozambique. Uh, but they embarked on a process where they, the government, in essence, quipped uh, the SMEs and uh, also supported them importing technologies uh, and uh, licensing in uh, patents and inventions from elsewhere uh, with a view of developing their sector and also place a lot of emphasis over a period of time on education. So one of the things that I talk about in Footprints is the fact that I believe that intellectual property should be taught not at universities, but should be taught at primary schools, it should be taught at high schools, it should be taught at universities, it should not be seen as a preserve of lawyers. Intellectual property is everywhere, it's important for everyone, and we need to understand the different uh, aspects and the different dimensions of intellectual property, and we need to understand how we can be able to harness it. Uh, so if you if someone is running a small medium enterprise, I mean, let's take for example Drip. Uh, you know, Drip is a is a South African sneaker. They have built a trademark. Drip is a trademark that is well known now. If you talk about Drip and you see the logo, you can identify it with the uh, with the founder. You can identify it with a particular sneaker, and it's very distinct, you know, from uh, Nike. Uh, and therefore, you can go on and look at uh, also like R2. It's very distinct. Those are South African brands, and therefore we need to start to celebrate the different aspects. It does not have to be just about patents. It can be about other forms of uh, intellectual property. We're very rich in terms of uh, just uh, you know, artistic creations, music, and so forth, and we need to celebrate that, and we need to talk about the intellectual property in those issues. Thank you very much for that insight. I mean, this is incredibly useful and insightful in so many ways. Um, one of the biggest issues, the issue that I mean, I'm picking up from you is that we as South Africans need to leverage on other forms of intellectual property. I think you hit it on a nail 
by you know advocating for the role of education in 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 insofar as imparting insights around the intellectual property. This should not be a forte of attorneys, but it has to be integral part of school culture across the board. And you know to ensure that everybody who walks into that particular environment is pretty much knowledgeable about what are the low-hanging fruits from the intellectual property regime. Um, at some point, you spoke about utility model, which is a lower end, I, I think the lower end entry point of any um, player for the uh, concession, if you like. So these are interesting insights which certainly make a huge difference in as far as highlighting the significance of intellectual property, both from a small man, but also, you know, getting to the bigger boys and girls, so to speak. Coming back to the education sector, um, what has been or what is, is there an appetite in taking that particular route of entrenching in, uh, intellectual property as part of curricula, so to speak, that is taught at primary, secondary, university and so on and so forth. What is the observation? Are we gravitating towards inclusion of intellectual property across the schooling system or not? Certainly so, not at the level of schools, but uh, you know, certainly at, uh, at universities, uh, we've seen that. So, I mean, I teach a master's program at Africa University, and this in essence brings on board uh, you know, students uh, from, uh, that are drawn from different countries across the continent. And uh, most of them, some come from a social sciences background and the others come in essence uh, from a technical background. Uh, and so I believe that what we need to emphasize more is really teaching at schools around issues of innovation, teaching our young people to identify problems and also to look at uh, solutions to those particular problems, because by actually doing so, we can then start to talk about the issues uh, of patenting uh, and intellectual property. It's still a long road. And I think the, the challenge is that quite often we expect results very quickly. So we need to take a long term view. We're going to take a quick break before we get our teeth and nails on topical issues. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back uh, to Beyond Governance at High FM of uh, 101.9. We are having very interesting conversation with a thought leader in my view in as far as intellectual property is concerned. The gist of our conversation with Dr. McLean-Sibanda revolves around the role of uh, in intellectual property in stimulating economic growth. He has given us uh, deep insights on how intellectual property, um, if it could be applied properly, can advance a small man, but also can be part and parcel of economic trajectory, um, as it were. Before we took that break, that break, he was giving us insight on on some of you know the the levels which intellectual property could be activated. One of them being the education. Education plays a major role uh, in, in 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 fostering, if you like, uh, that innovative or with the exposure to intellectual property, particularly among you know uh, entrepreneurs. As we all know, entrepreneurs' job is to innovate and harness and take advantage of what already exists. The important thing is that what we've learned is that intellectual property does acknowledge existing 
you know, trademarks, existing platforms, which can be harnessed and, and improved upon, which is quite useful. And what I did like, you know, before we went to the break, that South Africans needs to harness more and more um, other variables of intellectual property. The, I mean, the, the art and culture or the creative sector is probably the, one of the most critical aspect of intellectual property, which in my view has not really been harnessed. When you look at the Americans, the biggest you know, uh, exporter in, the, in this particular is movies. There's so much that South Africans can actually do because we are so unique in so many ways. And we've seen international coming to South Africa, leveraging or borrowing artistic outlook and commercializing that particular artistic outlook to our detriment in some instances. But anyway, but I think the point is that we, we can literally take advantage of, of that kind of uh, creativity. But the biggest question is how and what is lacking, Dr. Sibanda, from South African context in leveraging on in all these aspects that you've alluded to, to a point where we are able to commercialize various mm. aspects of the economy. So, I mean, what is lacking? So, the one thing is awareness uh, lacking. Um, and and also, I mean, it's really, you know, calling something by its name. So, for example, I see, you know, I hear people talking about, I want to patent, you know, my brand. You can't patent a, a brand. You can, you know, trademark a brand. In education and awareness, because it needs to be, you know, focused on, you know, and government needs to put in more resources around educating all its citizens about uh, issues of intellectual property. The second one is that it is costly to file a patent, particularly if you're going to go into ma- many countries, because the different countries charge uh, different fees. You also have to use lawyers in those particular countries. So it's important for people to understand that to patent or not to patent, it's a commercial decision. You do not need a patent uh, to commercialize your invention. And therefore, what we need also is perhaps some support uh, from government in terms of uh, supporting, particularly the small medium enterprises, to be able to protect, uh, you know, their inventions. But also, that particular support needs to go one step further in terms of assisting uh, small medium enterprises to understand the potential of patents uh, and intellectual property and assist them uh, to identify technologies that can uh, make them much more you know, competitive and assist them in essence in terms of the issues around technology transfer. And then also we need to be able to celebrate, uh, you know, and tell the stories. So I mean, I refer to Batu, I refer to Drip. These are South African brands. We need to talk about them. Fabiani, many people do not know, it's not really Italian. It's a, it's a South African brand. Uh, and also when we have issues around rooibos, for example, that's a South African brand. Some people try to misappropriate that. We need to elevate those stories because people try to copy it. South Africa did this. South Africa's government supported this. And therefore, there they is now protection for the name Roybos is what is called a geographical indication. We need to look at the Lion King. Uh, there was also uh, infringement of copyright uh, in that particular uh, you know, uh, manner. And also copyright is very important for artists because the duration of protection of copyright is the lifetime of the author and 50 years after they've passed on. So it's probably the longest uh, form uh, duration of protection, you know, other than uh, trade secrets. Uh, but trade secrets, well, once it leaks, it's leaked. 
but uh, copyright uh, is actually quite important. And therefore, when we teach, uh, you know, artists, uh, musical students, uh, you know, dramatic you know, students, we need to make sure that we teach them about issues of intellectual property. Thank you very much, Dr. Spahn. I think this has been an awesome, awesome insight that you have gracefully agreed to share with the listeners on this show. I could not agree with you more, and I've certainly benefited um, extensively. You have broadened my understanding of the intellectual property regime and extent to which can actually be harnessed in as far as developing is concerned. Unfortunately, we're not leave it here, uh, my good doctor. Thank you very much for coming through. It has been absolutely wonderful. We hope to have you in the nearest future for I believe there are a lot of issues you and I have not unpacked. No, thank you very much for having me as your guest. Uh, it's been really an honor and a privilege. There you are. Thank you very much. There you are. That was uh, McLean Sibanda, Dr. McLean Sibanda, who gracefully agreed to share with us. He's an expert uh, in intellectual property, giving us ins and outs on how to navigate the very precarious, if not turbulent, waters of intellectual property. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to leave it there. It has been absolutely wonderful uh, to have him around. We, as I promise, we'll do a follow-up with him once again to get a deeper understanding on some of the specific issues that you might experience or you might and uh, experience or encountered in your journey. Uh, I hope this show has illuminated some of the issues that you don't have necessarily have to go through. But be that as it may, let's pack it here until we do it again next time. Beyond Governance was brought to you by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.